Hello, and welcome to Senius Studio, hosted by me, Ben Jacobs of Senius Capital, a crypto asset manager pursuing fund-to-fund strategies. With this podcast, we aim to give listeners inside access to the best and brightest investors in the crypto asset management space. In each episode, I will chat with a leading blockchain venture fund manager or liquid token hedge fund manager as we explore the complexities of operating an investment fund at the bleeding edge of innovation. In our inaugural episode, I sit down with Anthony Avedisian and Nima of Seed Club Ventures, a DAO and community tooling focused investment club. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Ben Jacobs from Senius Capital, and we are excited to kick off a new podcast that we've been noodling on for a while. So at Senius, we are a crypto fund of funds pursuing multi-manager strategies. And through our work, we've had the opportunity to meet unbelievable managers purely dedicated to blockchain and digital assets, both on the hedge fund side and the venture capital side. So part of our job is to meet managers who have found an area to play within the space. And through this process, have carved an edge, have developed a community, and have gotten exposure to Uh, incredible opportunities across the space. So today in our inaugural episode, I am very excited to have Nima and Anthony Avedisian of Seed Club Ventures. GM, guys. Hello, friends. GM, Ben. It's it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Uh, Full disclaimer, Ben, you you got yourself to unmanagers. We're technically (laughs) not even managers in in like a normal GPOP structure, but I guess we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that for sure. I think that's part of what makes this episode so exciting. So before we jump into that, I'd love to just hear brief backgrounds on you two as individuals. So let's start with you, Nima. Thank you. I, I was born in Iran and then I left around 2011 to study robotics in Germany, fell in love with startups, had an autonom- one of the first truly autonomous drone startups in Berlin, raised a bunch of seed funding and stuff, but too many regulations in Germany. So like that startup never became a unicorn, but also not a complete failure. After that, I transitioned to crypto with the little money that I made from that venture and kind of found my skills from open source and robotics from back then when I was a nerd, very useful in crypto. And over time, started to focus more on the intersection of community and funding. I was mostly in my roles in crypto, leading community funding, and found it an interesting niche to invest in communities specifically. And that was before even like C-Club existed and Friends with Benefits, all these DAOs, Metacartel. And when these DAOs started to take shape and start fundraising, I found myself with this network and I, I would say I got really lucky to be in the right place, right time, but got connected with Jess from C-Club, investing in C-Club itself, the seed round, and then found this really interesting opportunity to, to start one of the first, I would say, truly community-owned venture vehicles. So that's that's where we're now with Anthony. Awesome. Anthony, over to you. 
It's always lovely hearing the story. So I'll reciprocate. Yeah, I was born in London to Armenian parents and, and, and being Armenian, I always had this entrepreneurial bug. Coming out of university without too much of a direction, I went into investment banking, was later at an activist hedge fund and, and often working between Asia and Europe. I kind of got a bit frustrated with, with traditional finance and ended up starting my own strategy consulting business. And the idea was my best friend and I, who was previously running strategy at a tech company, would kind of be nomadic and explore our curiosities and mess around the internet. So we were advising startups with like fundraising strategy, advising VCs on like specific tools that were emerging, including the cannabis and psychedelic space. And we were like running loads of various like startups ourselves so we started like a music production startup we ended up starting like a vending machine company and just like really messing around online and that led me to crypto in about 2020 i learned about nfts social tokens community tokens DAOs, and i was always interested in tech but i had previously put cryptos alongside like another tech vertical so plant-based meat electric vehicles nuclear energy ai like i just put crypto in one of these buckets but that exploration and discovery of nft social tokens DAOs, and and communities really captured my imagination so i became a bit of a DAO degen i started engaging with the space quite meaningfully buying flipping trading nfts just spending a lot of time possibly too much time on, on crypto Twitter and kind of came across Jess, C-Club, Nima and, and Ben yourself as well and, and, and became very fascinated with that ecosystem and, and joined Nima in, in starting C-Club Ventures. Awesome. Very interesting backgrounds and it's always a good refresher to hear the different verticals and sectors people were in before coming to crypto. And I think that's part of what makes crypto so special is people haven't been in crypto their entire lives. They often had prior careers. So they bring this previous skill set and depth of knowledge and community to this new burgeoning technology and asset class. So I find that it's always important to have context as to how people are have come into the space. And I wanted to transition to the origin of what is now Seed Club Ventures. So from for a little bit of context, Seed Club is a DAO and Seed Club you could think of in simplest terms as an accelerator and studio for Web3 communities. So the DAO itself has a, a number of members and token holders and projects apply to join Seed Club's accelerator. And if admitted, they then go through 12 weeks of programming where they learn everything on how to launch and operate and grow a sustainable community and find some value creation mechanism leveraging Web3 tooling. And what I find interesting is that you guys were involved in Seed Club DAO, but then you saw an opportunity that was very complementary to the DAO. And would love to just kind of hear how this idea formed because not only did it form, a lot of ideas formed, but you guys took it from an idea to a real product and a real venture fund almost that's, that's thriving. So in a pretty short amount of time, about seven years in, in dog years, but one year in, in crypto years. So we'd love to just kind of hear how, uh, or 
I think I messed that up or reversed it. But we'd love to kind of hear the idea for Seed Club Ventures and then how it went from idea to actual vehicle. Nima, I'll, I'll turn that over to you first. Sure, sure. And before that, I also want to mention that we're really grateful to you, Ben, for making the connection to Anthony. That And just like following up, it was actually about psychedelics. And we're like, this dude is into psychedelics. You're in Portugal. And then somehow we fell in love and, and Anthony really saved our asses and helped us start Sequel Ventures properly. I would say the the seed of the idea definitely came venture DAOs. You know, I, I used to have a podcast back in the days, back in like 2019, 2018. And one of my last episodes was with Peter Pan and Gabriel Shapiro from Metacarta Ventures. But throughout the years, I saw more of these venture DAOs pop up left and right. I felt with C-Club DAO, we could do something a bit different and structured in a way that there is a more kind of reciprocal relationship between the fund side or like the venture DAO and the mother DAO. Most of these existing DAOs, as far as I understand and know, there is not like a material relationship. The, the, the DAO kind of lends its brand to the venture DAO, but doesn't really get any financial upside. So this was one of the core criteria. We wanted to have a venture entity fund investment club, whatever you want to call it, that is focused on investing specifically in the DAO space, which back then still it was early. But at the same time, it was really important for a community to have ownership. So in the way that C-Club Venture is structured, we have something that looks like carry. It's not technically carry. And out of that, a whole 50% will be given to the treasury of C-Club DAO or the mother DAO. So that was like one of the main goals for this structure. And it took a lot of time and effort to structure it properly with the help of our lovely lawyers. And then the other one was, I just felt it doesn't make sense for every decision in these venture DAOs to go through everyone. Like people have different levels of commitment, different expertise, different levels of believability. So we wanted to come up with a structure that allows us to almost be like a fund of funds or more like a venture DAO of DAOs. And the way we achieve this is by having sub DAOs or sister DAOs, whatever you want to call it, within the same entity. So for example, quite recently, John Hillis from Cabin DAO he started this sub DAO with the help of the core team to invest specifically in more like liquid mint level, like really fresh NFTs and social tokens. And that sub DAO exists legally within Cyclo Ventures, but doesn't really need everyone's consent and decision. So TLDR, we felt like C Club is getting a ton of deal flow, but the community doesn't really seem to have any upside. So we tried to form an entity, a structure that kind of reaches this balance of being independent, have being able to raise its own funding, but also be able to give back to the community. I would elaborate and say, you know, six months ago or so, a lot of people heard about DAOs, DAO tooling, DAO infrastructure. There was a huge movement around the crypto space within, you know, specifically around DAOs. But C Club was was kind of you know, came to be before that hype cycle. And and when we thought of Seekar Ventures, you know, anyone building DAO infrastructure and DAO tooling was, was was kind of very independent. So 
many of the people building DAO tools, DAO infrastructure, they were coming to C-Club as one of the leading and, and one of the only kind of major DAOs in the space saying, hey guys, you know, we've got these tools as a DAO of DAOs, you know, an incubator of DAOs as C-Club, you know, would you A, be able to introduce us to members of your cohorts? B, would you be able to give us some product guidance and, and help us actually develop the DAO tooling, DAO infrastructure that we have? And see, you know, by the way, we're, we're raising this round, you know, would you be able to help? And it, it was that kind of trifecta of product guidance that CCOB has, the network of CCOB itself in the form of the members of the, of the accelerator and the need of capital, which I think really created a fantastic opportunity to CCOB, for CCOB Avengers to actually capture the imagination of our eventual members and investors. You know, fast forward to that point of, you know, early 2022, when everyone was building DAO tooling, you know, the strategy of Seeker Ventures adjusted from indexing the DAO tooling space and kind of helping most of the people coming to us to, to becoming a lot more thoughtful. But we can kind of touch on where the thesis has gone since then later on as well. Yeah. And, and I think this is so fascinating because this is, I think, the early indications of where a lot of venture and investing is heading towards. So you saw AngelList like kind of opened up this new world for angels and roll up vehicles and syndicates to, to more easily gain access to, to early stage deals. And then you've seen in crypto leveraging the power of tokens and NFTs and gated access really open up opportunities for people to coalesce on the internet leverage their distributed knowledge and reach in order to make decisions. So I find the dynamic between Seed Club DAO and Seed Club Ventures to be highly synergistic in that Seed Club DAO has access to all these communities that are experimenting in, in all these different sectors, doing things on different chains, really trying to, to carve their own way and find product market fit. And then you guys are investing in those communities, but then also in the tooling and the products that will help these communities succeed. So it's that positive feedback loop where you're supporting one another. But sticking with the structure piece, because I find this is important. So we saw DAOs like the Lao and Flamingo and Metacartel as early indications that this model works. So I'm curious to dig into this model because you know, I'm hesitant to even say GP and LP because that's not exactly how Seed Club Ventures is structured. So we'd love to kind of hear about your guys' position within Seed Club Ventures and then how participants or investors or members of Seed Club Ventures are part of that dynamic and critical to its success, both in terms of sourcing, decision-making, diligence, portfolio support, et cetera. So Anthony, let's kick that off with you. Yeah, sure. So it's worth touching on the fact that Seacob Ventures is structured as a member-managed LLC. And I think, you know, regulators design that structure from the perspective of, you know, families in the suburbs and the states kind of come together on the weekends to, to like invest in stocks together or you know buy some real estate together and it, it really means what it means member managed llc so you know it's a group of people coming together managing this organization together making investments together and the way it's regulated and structured means that people need to be able to have a say in everything that's going on so 
it was the truest form of kind of regulation and structure in the meat space that we could find that would reflect what we kind of interpret to be a DAO or an investment club. Now, what you had alluded to is, you know, other venture DAOs that, that are kind of well-known in the space, you know, amongst the Tribute Lao, the Tribute Labs, the Lao, you know, Flamingo, et cetera, family is oftentimes people are investing ETH collectively into a, a Gnosis and based off that, they're making decisions very collectively. We wanted to create a structure where we could make sure that there would be no kind of tragedy of the commons where no one's kind of doing nothing or one person's doing everything. So, so Nima and I essentially kind of full-time seek our ventures. We're making sure that we're constantly sourcing deals, due diligence deals, supporting portfolio and acting as a bridge between the opportunities and the investments we see and the members we see in order to kind of facilitate this kind of hive mind of the venture in terms like really like getting dirty into the weeds of the process, you know, members will share with our core team, a deal or an opportunity. We will take a first call. We'll push that onto a community call if it's interesting. And eventually our core team will form a deal memo and add on a thesis. And that will be collectively voted on by all members of the DAO. And I think it's important to mention that the, we wanted the core team to have a say in this process, but we're not anywhere close to the level of, let's say, governance weight that a GP would have. So collectively as C-Club Core, we have 20%, which means at any point, really, if our members don't vibe with a proposal, it could easily get not vetoed. They like, could just vote no. So that has happened, I think, only once or twice so far. So we really try to do a very good job of like due diligence, filtration. So whatever goes to the DAO is high quality enough. At the same time, it, it does really help that we as like the kind of full-time core team, we do have around like 20, 25% governance, right? With, with our own also personal investments. Yeah, something being in the Seed Club Ventures Telegram group that, that I'm amazed by is the caliber of people. So you guys have... GPs and, and existing established venture funds, as well as builders and, and operators in the space, giving such broad surface area into what your, your collective knowledge is. And I find that so powerful. So the conversations that are had within Seed Club Ventures, following a diligence call or following a meeting with you two, recounting a, a diligence call are are very nuanced and have multiple different perspectives to discuss and deliberate on such that as a group, everyone has more data points for making a decision. Whereas existing venture funds or even solo GPs, you know, they don't have that many other sources of information that are aligned with the same incentives to make decisions. And I think that's part of the beauty of it. But it also creates some complexity, right? There are a lot of cooks in this kitchen. Yes. So I'm, I'm interested in, in hearing about times in which you find this model to be challenging because you guys who have the most context still only have 20% of the vote. So yeah, yeah. I'd love to, to dive into that in some, you know, almost contrarian thinking against this model that you pursued instead of just going for a, a normal fund. And then uh, one, one final thing I want to add to that is why are these people like, 
if you're an LP in a fund, most of the time you may want some <laughs> information, right? Yeah. But why do you want to burden yourself with more work when you don't have any of the carry? You're essentially an LP. So uh, a lot, a lot of meat on that bone. So let's go to Anthony first on that. So I would say the complexity is by design. You know, when we were onboarding members in Seacore Ventures, we got the question: you know, Who is an ideal member of Seacore Ventures? And and we, as a core team, are you know our primary objective is building an institution and thinking long term. And I always optimize for diversity amongst our members. And with diversity comes different perspectives and different opinions. But that's exactly what we were designed to do. So. You know, our members vary from fund of funds, family offices, VCs, you know, VC GPs that are just investing individually, CTOs, product people, angels, you know, people in DeFi, Metaverse, board whatever Elon. you've kind of, board Elon, like, you know, celebrities, <laughs> like NFT DGENs, artists, like it's really, really diverse. And, and what that means is that in certain situations you have pockets of people kind of chiming up and speaking louder and and pockets of people kind of going quieter. And, and I can imagine a situation where, you know, some of our members don't really say anything for the next couple of years, but in a certain situation, two, three, four, five years down the line, their experience becomes very, very valuable. And, and honestly, the only kind of, or, or the most significant barrier that, that I use to assess whether a member would be appropriate would be just excellence in their specific field. So they're the best of the best at what they do, whether it's a family office, a fund of funds, they've just demonstrated consistent long-term thinking within their specific field. Now, why those people care to share their time and 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 and, and spend their heartbeats with us, maybe Nima can touch on that because he's the wizard oh. amongst us. <laughs> so I, I do believe it's at least two answers. One is that C-Club Ventures is not a generalist fund. So for them, for, for a lot of them, actually, C-Club Ventures, this is their DAO bet. They want to get exposure to DAO space and they've invested in this both to learn about this, this kind of niche within crypto, but also to kind of index the whole DAO space. So I, I think they, they care more than a usual LP would care because it's not really even competing with their own fund. They're, they're I, I don't I don't actually know of any other fund that is specifically focused on just investing in like community infrastructure or DAOs. So I think that's a big reason it's just fun to to be in like a focus group that is not talking about like a million different things, but is always focused on one space. Kind of the same way that maybe you watch, I don't know, MKBHD on YouTube or a specific YouTube channel because it's like your source of alpha and knowledge for that vertical. So I think that's the main reason. The other one, I mean, it's kind of funny, but we knew about this kind of failure mode of some other venture does that people just invest and then there's like no legal obligation to participate. So we actually have coded some conditions that allows us to ask members kindly to leave if they do not participate. So there is a requirement to be somewhat active and that's also a legal requirement to, to protect us as a collective that this is not really a GPLP structure. You're a member, we're doing a lot of the operational work, but you're supposed to participate. So if members do not do anything, I believe in two consecutive periods of three months, they are effectively out in a, in a graceful way. I, I love it. I love the, the ingenuity <laughs> and, and the buy-in from these participants. I think it's novel and there's so many benefits when you really un 
unpack it as to why this model makes sense for decision making and then also just uh, really honing in on a specific sector. So I, I want to dive into the thesis of Seed Club Ventures. So transitioning out of like the, the structure, but when you guys are looking for opportunities, would love to hear, do you guys have a thesis of where the world is going in the next five to 10 years? And you're looking for the best teams, the best ideas that suit that thesis, or do you just have a, a broad sense that this is where the industry is going? We don't know which direction it's gonna go in, but we wanna to back the best teams that are doing the craziest experiments. So I'd love to just kind of hear about what your perspective is on the world and then how you approach investing into that thesis or perspective. And then Neem, I'll start with you on that. Yeah, and actually I, I felt there was a little import, very important detail that we forgot to talk about in the last section, but it relates to this question. So the thesis that we started with was investing in the underlying tech and infrastructure for internet communities, or we could call them DAOs if you want to be more crypto specific. But as we started, we had a small number of deals that kind of really fall outside that core thesis. There's still very much values aligned with us. So the way that we're structured to allow us to evolve and be nimble is by forming sub DAOs. We could actually look at the first thesis the effectively the sub DAO of Nima, Jess, Anthony, and now Timor who has joined us. So we're hopefully experts in this space. We're tapped into what's happening with DAOs and we're going to push more and more investments in that vertical. But now, for example, we're seeing increasingly very interesting deals in the music space or in generative AI. And I I believe what we're going to do over time is if we keep seeing these deals and get very high quality deal flow, we're going to form sub DAOs with a different team, still with our support, but with a different team who are experts and really like the A++ talent in that space to come and kind of start that like second, third, fourth, fifth thesis under the same structure. And then down the road, if any of these sub DAOs are successful, including you know us as the core team, we could double down and raise a larger fund or kind of a fund of the same size, just focus on that vertical. Got it. Over over to you, Anthony. We'd love to hear about the the thesis you guys are investing in via the core DAO now and then how that's splintering into all these different sub verticals underneath it. Yeah, sure. So I suppose it would go back to like I mentioned when we first formed Seacar Ventures. A lot of the projects coming through C Club as an accelerator had these very lofty goals, very lofty ambitions. They wanted to change the world, but you know, DAOs, tokenized communities, there just wasn't a lot of infrastructure for stuff like this. And around that time, mid 2021, there were essentially, at least in my mind, two types of projects. One was the DAO infrastructure for everything. They wanted to be your G Suite, your Google Docs, your Trello, your you know your Slack, your Discord, your Telegram, your everything, and it wanted to be composable and interoperable and kind of like within its own ecosystem. And then we had other projects that wanted to solve a very very specific problem or a very very specific requirement for DAO, and 
an example of that would be Guild XYZ, which is our first investment that we ever made. And we've kind of continued along that path of, of investing in projects that saw very, very specific things because we just feel that this space is incredibly early. And by going and doing too many things for DAOs, doing too many things for tokenized communities in a space that's just rapidly evolving and changing, the requirements are ever changing as well, is, is kind of like shooting yourself in the foot. So you know, I think we believe in composability and we think that that tools that solve specific problems will be, at least in the short term, kind of where a lot of attention is. But maybe Nima could elaborate on those first couple of investments. Yeah, we'd love to... Uh, let's let's definitely spend some time digging into some of the funds investments before we get into that we'd love to think about when you're looking at a project what makes something interesting to you guys because you're you're getting in pre-seed seed very early on where there aren't you're you're in a new space so there's not that much precedent as to what can make a project successful there's not clear value creation mechanisms that are available off the shelf that you know, plenty of businesses has done have done historically. So what are you guys looking for as part of your diligence process uh, when evaluating a project to determine whether it's worth an allocation? I'll flip that over to you, Nima. Sure, sure. I think it's, it, me and Anthony are very complimentary in the sense that I'm, I guess, our resident chief vibe check officer. So my focus is mostly on the kind of human aspect of things. And I, I personally really care if founders are truly, truly committed to the space or they're so-called tourists. Unfortunately, that's something that we keep seeing quite often in crypto. I guess that's the case in many verticals, but it's, for example, much more difficult to be a tourist in biotech or you know AI or you know, quantum computing. But in crypto, the... To be very honest, the tech itself is quite primitive compared to where many of these other industries are. You know, we really kind of started quite recently. So, it, so that's one of our main criteria. The founders have true commitment and, and passion for the space. They, they have a story that backs the project that they're building. And also increasingly now with us being more selective, we try to see that they have more than just a network and ideally the the idea and the project comes from within an existing community or doesn't even need to be a DAO but we for example if it's a product that is for students we want the founder to be a recent graduate and like really active in their own local chapters so I would say from from my side it's, it's how authentic the founders are and if they they're truly building if not for their own problem, at least for a space that they've been immersed in, in, in their background. Yeah. So yeah, if chief, if Nima's the chief vibe officer, I have no idea what I am. So I think I mentioned at the beginning of the call, I, I kind of came from TradFi hedge fund, the level of analysis that I lean on is, is, is possibly, yeah, let's just call it complementary to Nima. So you know, the types of things that, that I will specifically be looking for is 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 like traditional VC stuff. So like, you know, I'll do some analysis on the product, look at the roadmap, go to market, customer stuff, you know, traction, business model, all this kind of traditional stuff. I think team is a very, very, very important part, especially for us when we're looking at, you know, pre-product, yeah, pre-product startups essentially. But I think what differentiates us in terms of our due deal would be 
almost a requirement to have a community focus to the project. So a question I like to ask entrepreneurs is, you know, you come to this table and, you know, what are you really looking to get out of this? Is it is it an IPO? Are you trying to like, you know, merge this company with another company? Or is this going to be a tokenized project where you really want to reward kind of your early users and and build a network? And I think that's that's something that I've kind of learned through C-Club is, you know, the networks are very, very powerful here. And just recognizing the shift in focus on the internet from, you know, product first, i.e. in the 2020s, we saw a bunch of companies kind of launching products and, and then using that to build a community and kind of garner a lot of in- interest online and, and kind of create culture. We're very interested in projects that are facilitating all of that process, but in reverse. So having a community focus from day one when it comes to an actual product is something that we're very interested in. And it dovetails, it dovetails with another requirement that we have, which is the ability to actually be able to support and add value to that to that portfolio project. So I think the insights that we have at C-Club and amongst our portfolio projects is unique. And if we can actually work with entrepreneurs in a meaningful way, that's kind of going to be able to help us de-risk some of those investments. So I think a, a main thing would be community focus and, and, and is this something we can really help with? Yeah, and I awesome. would say this is really so ever-present in our portfolio that... Even with our investment in Stability AI, which is the, the company behind Stable Diffusion, the actual open open AI company, they, I would say one of the main reasons that we got involved was even in the kind of before the pivot and the first idea, they were really community focused. It was a product for communities, by communities, and even the way that they kind of structured this consortium around the first versions of the model were really collaborative. It was like, crowdsourced by the community and then also released to the community and then this company despite being quite centralized is really just a steward of you know managing whatever tradfi billing stuff that they need to do to train the models yeah so we'd love to spend some time on stable diffusion and stability ai so we'd love to just kind of hear how the project got introduced to you guys, your entry point, and then it's it's rapid growth until now, because I know there's been some recent news and some internal discussion about how to manage stability AI. So Nemo would love to, to hear kind of the story of it up until now. Sure. I mean, it, it is a bit of a lucky coincidence that my background was in AI before crypto. So that I would say that helped a little bit. But the connection came through Emad getting in touch with Jess. And then initially what they wanted to build made complete sense for us and for our portfolio and thesis. They were going to focus on large language models, but specifically applied to communities. Like the idea was that you have a bot that crawls your Discord messages, and then if you have a question, you type a prompt and you get an answer. For example, you go to C-Club's Discord, it's overwhelming. There are like a million channels, same with Friends with Benefits. And then Stability's initial focus was to create like a chatbot that you ask, hey, what's going on in the, let's say, NFT channel? And then it would give you like a summary in natural language. So they still have the same DNA. They have the focus on the community, but... I think they timed the market very well with coming out with a an open alternative to what OpenAI released with Dolly. And out of that, now they've really established themselves as this kind of 
very community focused open source heavy alternative to centralized mostly silicon valley based companies and they're going to go after different verticals so i i believe very soon we're going to see their alternative to gpt3 and from our own conversations we know that the, the the team is also they had actually a background in helping covid efforts so i think they're also going to focus on the health space and what we would love to see continued from stability and our other investments in this space is that they try to adopt the kind of crypto ethos despite not even being a crypto company which is heavy on the open source being collaborative and then sharing the ownership and ip with the, the folks who contribute to creating the models. Anthony, anything you want to add about like the investment into Ahmad and, and into yeah, stability yeah. AI? I mean, I'll, I'll touch on some of the, the kind of the less spoken about stuff at the moment about stability AI, which is what Nemo was saying when, when we're investing, which is the vibe. So Imad came to even more of a background. Imad was a hedge fund manager and he went to like, you know, he studied at Oxford, he studied maths and computer science. This guy had a high flying career and he left his career to help his son with autism via AI tooling. And what he recognized in, in doing that was there are a lot of very smart people around the world and that they're, they're kind of trying to solve deep problems. So, you know, a university in Australia and a, and a startup in Silicon Valley and a and a researcher in London and, you know, and so on, and you know, a financier in Canada, whatever. And these people aren't communicating effectively. They're not sharing the, the discoveries they're making. And he wanted to help people around the world who are kind of solving the world's toughest challenges come together and collaborate effectively. And, and, and Nima's kind of uh, discussion around the Discord bot was that his first iteration on kind of solving knowledge, effectively collaborating on, on new and interesting things around the world. And his passion for that via the AI kind of Web3 context, and, 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 and I think we call it like founder market fit, but his passion for that was, was one of the primary reasons we invested in. And that's something we're looking for amongst all of our founders. I think he had a lot, a lot, a lot of different ideas on the way to take stability AI in the direction it was going to go at the time. And, and, and I mean, I'm always surprised to see Stable Diffusion because I think it captured the imagination of millions around the world. But I'm also surprised about it because it came out of nowhere from from the perspective of us as investors. Like we did not foresee this happening in one year's time. This was yeah. like a no, this was a knowledge DAO of DAOs, kind of like helping people collaborate on crazy things. And for anyone listening, I strongly suggest going to typing in Stable Diffusion into into Google and opening it up and effectively you type in any sentence, words, whatever you want, and Stable Diffusion will create an image that is original, not just taken from inventory of existing images that represents the text that you've put in. So I find that we, we saw it with Dolly, but with Stability AI, the focus is on keeping it totally open so that everyone can be contributing and iterating upon this. And I was listening to Ahmad speak about it. He's like, anyone who thinks they have all of the knowledge as to where this tech can go is ignorant. Why limit it to just a small group of people who could be making decisions when similar to everything in crypto, it's all kind of Lego blocks on one another. 
So who's to say one builder has all the information and data points to make all the right decisions or the right ideas about where this tech can go? And I, I really think they they live and breathe that ethos. And so I think that very much aligns also with how you guys have formed Seed Club Ventures, where you guys know you don't have all the answers, but you have this community that together you can come to a better collective decision-making process and can make investments more effectively that way. And and to to your guys' horn, you guys were in, I believe, the seed round with Stability AI, (laughs) pre-seed, which I believe was at a $7 million valuation a year ago. And I don't know if it's been officially announced, but there's rumors that Stability AI is is raising at a $1 billion valuation right now with some of the the marquee names in the space involved. So incredible work getting involved and and building that relationship and being a value-add partner to an excellent founder and to a project that has world-changing potential. Um, I wanted to give, only going to have a couple more minutes left here. I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to talk about maybe one or or two other projects within the C Club portfolio that you're very excited about that you think is representative of where this industry is going and the the interesting experiments that are taking place. If you don't mind, Anthony, I'll take a shot at this. What's interesting is the member of CICLA Ventures who helped us make this investment. So before we even had a legal entity, we had already made, I think, 35 investments. And all of that was through warehousing. Like I don't think this has ever happened at this scale, that it was not just two or three investments that the GPs made. I personally also warehouse a, a number of deals but robert from who, who's one of the founders of guild that xyz and agora he helped us make this investment in stability and then we also led their their probably was also pre-seed round for for guild.xyz and agora i think about the same level of valuation so and and that project now they have in a very short time, they've become one of the, I would say, top two or three crypto solutions for token gating and like extremely community-oriented, impeccable vibes. And they already have half a million users, like many large communities, like, for example, Lens, they, they use guild.xyz for token gating. And we're really excited about what they're working on in kind of the next evolution of Guild more as an open network. And Anthony, do you have any other projects that you want to highlight? I was going to say Guild. I mean, Robert, who's the founder of Agora, he very kindly warehoused stability for us. So he always gets a shout out. But I think they really, I mean, they're our first investor and they really encapsulate everything we're about. I think another thing to touch on, um, which is one of the reasons I'm excited about Seco Ventures coming from my TradPi background, which is, this stability situation is now something that that we don't only consider as a core team this is a decision that we'll make as a collective and obviously you know in the the first year of our lifetime the the collective decisions that we've been making have been around you know new investments but increasingly it's going to be about managing this portfolio and adding support to that portfolio and you alluded to earlier in the call how you know angel lists and other kind of tech platforms like Republic have facilitated kind of angel investors getting involved with venture. And, and that's something quite new. 
and I think in the crypto world, the way that's manifested is people have come together and and kind of put together some ETH and bought some NFTs in, in a Gnosis. And that's kind of then evolved into, you know, Tribute Labs and Allow and now Seekal Ventures. And, and we're kind of gradually etching up this kind of capital allocation ladder where it started with, you know, angel investments together and then pre-seed investments together and then series A's together. And, and now we're kind of sitting on Stability AI, which is a billion dollar valuation company. And, and where does it go from there? So I think it's it's almost up to us and, and, and operators of venture DAOs to continue to experiment, continue to improve, continue to prove out this thesis that collectively we can achieve great things. And we're always kind of learning as 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 the core team on how to do that effectively. Awesome. Well, guys, this has been super fun and I'm sure illuminating for many people who are not very familiar with the, the DAO space and the amazing work that's being done on the investment side that is very novel, but leading to incredible results thus far. So thank you guys for, for spending the time. One final question, just something fun. What is, and I'm thinking of one on the spot, what is the thing you do outside of crypto that is most valuable to your work within crypto and your insights and perspective within your decision making for seed club ventures anthony Nima. i'll kick it over to you <laughs> i'm just looking at Nima. i, I already know what's um, cooking in, in Nima's mind so. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna cheat here and not say w- one thing but i'm gonna say like a, a general routine which is my morning routine I'll wake up, as Nima very well knows, I go straight to the gym, I exercise for 60 minutes, I come back home, I meditate, and then I read a book for at least half an hour, if not 60 minutes. And I think that reading process, and I also journal. So that morning routine is is the is the easy escape for me to kind of fall back on as soon as I wake up to get into routine, to get some quick wins. And I'm always reading books. I try and read a book a week. And What's your I favorite kind of, book of the last year? last year last year is a tough one i recently read a book called how the internet happened and it kind of begins from the netscape era if not before like arpanet and it kind of just talks through all of the various ways of technology silicon valley hype cycles dot-com crash just like everything in a very animated way it captures the zeitgeist very well and a lot of applicable learnings to where we are in the crypto space as well I'm also currently reading a book called The Power Laws. I think it's called The Power Laws of Venture Capital. And I feel like it does a very similar job, at least thus far, I'm like 80 pages in. But it is a very good job, but captures it from a slightly more VC angle, basically just discussing power laws and VC. So it's very good so far. So definitely check out how the internet happens. And also, I think it's called The Power Laws. Let me get it for you. All right, Nima, over to you. This is 18 plus, <laughs> 18 <laughs> lifetimes plus. <laughs> so it kind of goes back to the way I got introduced to Anthony. My, I would say my 20% passion project for the last couple of years has been supporting different efforts in the psychedelic space as an investor, LP, and now also helping to launch and incubate Psydow. And I would say I, I feel there is room for 
an in-between balanced productive use of psychedelics that is not entertainment and recreational that is not just medical but is really the betterment of the world as one of our friends loves to say so i try to always kind of allocate some of my time in that direction anywhere from like indigenous people in the amazon to high-tech research with for example our investment in molecule who are also helping launch side Awesome. One final thing, where can people find Seed Club Ventures on the internet and find you guys individually on Twitter? Nima? Yeah, I'm inside Nima. It's supposed to be very authentic from within. So it's at inside Nima on Twitter. And Seed Club Ventures is at Seed Club VC and I am at Ant Avedisian. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. This was super fun and we'll catch everyone next time. Take care. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Senior Studio. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcast if you enjoyed today's show. See you next time.